This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Hope you're good. Hope you've enjoyed some of the recent episodes that have come your way. Uh, They've generally been book related, haven't they? Uh, This one isn't though. Uh, I'll get on to that very soon. But of late I've been speaking with some really interesting people. So I've got a few episodes planned Uh, to put out for you for the foreseeable. Don't forget that any of those previous ones that you may have missed, as always, can be found at your podcast provider of choice or threelionspodcast.com. Now, coming up, I'm going to touch on the Nations League and the January transfer window that has just recently shut. But the main bulk of this episode is where I'm talking with Mark Griffiths from On The Ball Travel. Those of you who have previously travelled on one of his coaches or perhaps booked on one for the upcoming Italy-Naples trip may find this interesting, as I hope anyone listening uh, will do. But that's still to come. First, though, the January transfer window. I'm not going to look at the excessive amount of money that once again has been spent or how clubs manage to circumnavigate FFP. That's for someone else to talk about. Uh, But let's talk English players. To be honest, not a lot of massive moves concerning England players. But the ones that do include Jack Butland. On the 6th of January, he moved on loan from Crystal Palace to Manchester United as backup to David De Gea. He's 29 years old. He's won nine England caps, first of which was back in 2012 when we travelled to Bern in Switzerland for a 2-1 friendly win over Italy. Uh, He only played the first half there, as he was replaced by John Ruddy. Forgotten about him, haven't you? Uh, Butland was at Birmingham City back then. He's since spent a fair amount of time at Stoke City, but he's also had loan periods at the likes of Leeds, Derby, Barnsley, before making a permanent move to Palace in 2020. And his last time wearing a Three Lions goalkeeping shirt was in the 2018 1-0 friendly over Switzerland at Leicester. And interestingly, of those nine caps, only two were played at Wembley. Will he get another cap? I would doubt it. He may find himself a squad member if maybe Ramsdale or Pope are injured. But I can't see him making a pitch in an England shirt anytime soon. 10th of January. This is an important one. (laughs) Stephen Corker. Remember him? Three yards out, one cap, one goal in 2012, away to Sweden in a friendly. I feel like I mention him every time a transfer window comes round. He's had a period of time in Turkey. Well, that has come to an end as he's joined Wigan Athletic on loan. As the saying goes... He's had more clubs than Tiger Woods. Wigan appears to be his 14th. Uh, Anyway, not that 
he really counts anymore as he can no longer play for England. As in 2021, he switched his allegiances to play for Sierra Leone. 20th of January, Danny Ings. Now here's a fact for you. There are only three players with a surname beginning with I to have played for England. Danny Ings, Paul Ince, you'll never get the other one. James Iamunger, who played twice in 1901 and 1902. Anyway, Danny Ings, three England caps between 2015 and 2020. His debut came as a sub for Harry Kane away to Lithuania in a 3-0 away win. That whilst a player at Liverpool. And his only other two appearances, both behind closed doors due to the pandemic. Uh, away to Iceland in September 2020. And then in the 3-0 win at Wembley over Wales, where he scored. To date, his only England goal. And that was whilst he was at Southampton. And since then, he moved to Aston Villa before moving to West Ham this year in the hope of helping them avoid the drop. Will he play for England again? Highly unlikely, in my opinion. 29th of January, Anthony Gordon. Uh, He moved from Everton to Newcastle in a £45 million deal in what, frankly, had become a bit of a messy situation. Now, he hasn't actually played for the senior team yet, but he's played nine times for the under-21, scoring four including two on his debut in November 21. Now, he's also represented the 18s, 19s and under-20s. This is an interesting one. He's only 21, turns 22 later this month. He had a good period last season where he was scoring and being spoken about highly. I'm going to hold judgment for the time being. £45 is a lot of money for a youngster, and we know how English transfer fees can be inflated but Newcastle have the money obviously don't they Uh, it's intriguing obviously teaming up with Eddie Howe whom many a time has been mentioned in the same breath as the England manager's position if they can strike up a good relationship 45 million in a few years time may seem like a snip a bargain not just for Newcastle but for England too 31st of January, here's another good one, similar to Stephen Corker. Nathaniel Shaloba, 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 uh, has moved from Fulham to West Brom. Now, he's got quite the England career. To his credit, he came through the England pathway, 16s, 17s, 19s, 20s, and 40 appearances for the 21s. But in 2018... Away to Spain in that Nations League match, the 3-2 win. He came on for Harry Winks with 90 minutes and 13 seconds played. The game played out until 97 minutes and apparently he has played one second more for England than Martin Kelly did when he played against Norway in 2012. Uh, Another one who is highly unlikely to ever wear the three lions again. Uh, Also on deadline day, John Joe Shelby moved from Newcastle to Nottingham Forest for an undisclosed fee. Uh, And between 2012 and 2015, he won six caps without scoring. Will he wear an England shirt again? Doubtful. And I think that's all on the, the men's senior front. 
Now, there have been some Lionesses moves too. Uh, as always, let's try and keep you up to date with those. Lucy Staniforth moved from Manchester United to Aston Villa. She's come through the Lionesses age groups up to the senior side, where she's made 17 appearances and scoring twice to date. Jordan Nobbs also went to Aston Villa from Arsenal. She made her debut for the Lionesses back in 2013 and has since earned 69 caps with eight goals to her name. But she's been really unfortunate with injuries in her time, missing both the 2019 World Cup and the Euros last year. She'll be really looking towards getting back into the squad this year. Big year for the Lionesses, of course, with the World Cup. And Bethany England moved from Chelsea to Tottenham reportedly to have been for a cost of 250000 which broke the record for a domestic woman's transfer. 21 caps for England, 11 goals. But I always feel that within the past, Ellen White was ahead of her. And now with the likes of Ella Toon, Alessia Russo, Chloe Kelly, she's never really considered a starter. She'll always do a job, guaranteed, um, but never... One to make the start in 11, always to come off the bench. Uh, but she is already scoring for Spurs, so that may change. All three of those, Lucy Staniforth, Jordan Nobbs, Bethany England, all more than likely to wear the Lionesses shirt again in the future. Meanwhile, some of you may have heard that there has been a few slight tweaks to the structure of the Nations League. Uh, I've had a look at it, digested it, and hopefully I've worked out how it affects us. Uh, Although there is no confirmation, clarification of any South American teams participating as yet. You may remember that was something that was spoken about a while back. Uh, Perhaps that was just all paper internet talk and it's not the first time the structure has been changed for the nation's league and i'm 100 percent sure that it won't be the last but i'm gonna try and make this as easy to understand as possible as i know some still struggle with the original format <laughs> i think this is where i'd insert a winking emoji at first though for those that aren't aware the third final is scheduled to take place this year between the 14th and the 18th of June. It's when we will be playing in Malta. Now, this year's finals sees the Netherlands play Croatia and Spain take on Italy in both the semi-finals. Obviously, the winners play each other to see who wins the third Nations League. And then there's that third-place game, isn't there? Recently, they announced that these games will take place in Rotterdam and day in the Netherlands. I hope I've pronounced that right. I think it's where Twente play, FC Twente. So, currently, as the Nations League stands at the moment, the winners of the top four groups in League A all go forwards towards the finals. Just as I said, the Netherlands, Croatia, Spain and Italy have all done this year. The bottom four all get relegated to League B. Sadly, as I have to remind you, that's ourselves, Austria, the Czech Republic and Wales. Leagues B and C, the winners get promoted, 
bottom team gets relegated. Uh, as there are 55 teams within UEFA, League D is a little uneven and involves a playoff with a couple of League C relegated teams to work out its outcome. Now, on the 25th of January, UEFA announced some changes designed to make it, and I quote, a more compelling competition with more interesting and attractive knockout matches. That is according to the UEFA Deputy General Secretary, Giorgio Marchetti. He's the one, I think he's the one grey-haired little man with glasses um, who sort of pulls the balls out of the uh, the pots when the draws come round. I'm pretty sure that's him. So as of the fourth season of the competition, which will take place in September 2024, this is after the European Championships in Germany, uh, there will be two games in September, two in October and two in November. Then the format will be adjusted to incorporate a two-legged promotion or relegation playoff in the following March. So March 2025. All seems so long away. So finishing top or second of League A now gives you the chance to go to the finals. So for example, looking back on the most recent season's group stage, Croatia, they won Group A1. Denmark, they finished second. Spain won A2 with Portugal second. Now, these four teams, along with the four that finished first and second in A3 and A4, they would all go into a quarter-final, where first-place Croatia would play second-place Portugal and first-place Spain would play second-place Denmark. And obviously the same for A3 and A4 teams. These games would be over two legs, and the winners from those going forwards to the finals, along with the winners from the other two quarter-finalists. So it could be you finish second in your league, and you go forward to the final and you win the thing. That's how it could end up. And still talking League A, finishing bottom is still automatic relegation, but finishing third in the group qualifies you for the relegation playoffs and this is where we could come in Uh, finishing third means you'll have a two-legged playoff against a second place team from the league below so league b again played in march 2025 and if the league a team beats the league b team in the playoff Both teams would then remain in their respective leagues. But if B beats A, then they would swap leagues for the following campaign. And as I unfortunately, I have to remind myself and you, uh, we were relegated to League B last time. Yeah, you remember Italy, Germany and Hungary. So finishing top of League B, gaining promotion and replacing the relegated League A team will be our main priority if this was to happen then i would imagine we would arrange a friendly game or two for march 2025 but if we were to finish second as i was just mentioning then we would be involved in that two-legged playoff 
still with me. This format of promotion, relegation, playoffs is then replicated for the bottom of League B and League C too. Uh, I'll be honest, I've not really analysed League D, as I'm quietly confident that that won't affect us long term. (laughs) Wow. I really hope I've explained that, first of all, correctly uh, and comprehensively. Uh, But the more I read this, the more I think... Is it really necessary? I guess, as we've uh, previously witnessed, we'll see how this all pans out and if it's a success or not. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, England and Wolves fan Mark Griffiths. Hello, Mark. Hey, doing, Russ? All right. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you. Yeah, yeah, I'm well, thank you. I know we we last spoke when you gave us a guide to Wolverhampton last year, prior to the uh, the Hungry game there, and yeah, it helped me out um, because I seem to remember you saying. There's a uh, a monument, um, the man on the horse, and I found that, and I found a pub next door to it. So uh, help me out, great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong with the man on the horse. That's right, that's right. But back then, and, and we're not going to mention the game, um, but probably back, not. No, back then you you also mentioned, of course, about on the ball travel, um, which is the sports football travel organization that you that you run um and we said yeah let's let's make some time to have a chat about that and and here we are end of january we've made some time and and i thought yeah let's let's uh, find out a little bit more about on the ball travel I thought, uh, yeah yeah okay no problem go on take us back to the beginning um i know what well, let's let's have a chat how it all started some of the the stories that have uh, happened along the way and then i know that a lot of people you've you've been speaking with recently and trying to organize um a trip for a forthcoming um european qualifier we'll get to that towards the end how does that sound yeah that sound go um, on take us back to the what, beginning yeah well where it came about was uh around about actually about 10 years ago now uh, hmm. 2013 i was pretty much bored with what i was doing as a day job uh, which I still do now, and I'm not right. bored with it. But at the time, I thought, you know, there's got to be something else. Uh, and I, I don't mind mentioning Miles. Miles is a great bloke, and I thought, you know what, he does a good job there. Uh, there must be a market for, you know, not just him. So I'll have a bash at it myself. So what I did, my intentions was to do what Miles did, uh, basically charter flights. So I went through the rigmarole of getting the atoll and I was chuffed with myself and I got the atoll certificate, which I was proud of. And I thought, you know what? The first thing I'll do, I'll do a club, the first club in 2013 who win a trophy, who guarantee Europe. Of course. Um, It was Swansea. (laughs) Right. So I thought, well, my intention is to do England fans um, and the first club I'll get is a Welsh club. Anyway, (laughs) lo and behold, the first game they'd got after winning the, I think it was the, the Carabao Cup, where it was then. I thought, you know what? The first game they got was at Albion. It's only <laughs> 10 miles down the road. So I got some flyers printed. 
said, went down, stood outside the, the away end, dishing all those flyers out, explaining, you know, whoever they get in Europe, if they want to charter flights, this, that, and the other. Um, anyway, they, they, they drew a team called FC Ployetsi about an hour from Bucharest. Okay. And I thought, uh, shall I try it, shall I not? And this, this woman emailed me. I remember her name, Sharon. And she said, there's not many of us going. Uh, and there's a group of us. We're all flying to Bucharest. But we can't get to the game. Do you put a coach on? Now, unbeknown to me, people like Steve Alcott did that for England anyway. And it's not something that I'd even thought of. I thought, you know, I want to do this at all thing, but not coaches. Yeah. Um, so thanks to her, I thought, you know what, I'll give that a bash. So I got in touch with a, a Bucharest coach company and I laid on these uh, coach, uh, well, it was a coach, there was only about 60 of them went to the game, uh, but they all come on the coach. And, um, and I thought, you know, that was a decent idea, that was. Little did I know that it was already being done anyway. Oh, and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, I, I didn't know it was a standard thing. And I thought, you know what, you look at the Atoll thing and you look at a plane and you look at the de- the down payment you pay on a plane and if it all goes wrong, you lose a lot of money. With a coach, it's, it's, it's a little let risk. And I, and I quite enjoyed what I did. And to be honest, I did two or three uh, Swansea trips and... Um, <laughs> One of them was uh, round to Napoli. We'll come on to that. Um, I should have known better. Um, anyway, so the first time England had a, a chance of doing it, it was 2013. England played Switzerland in Basel. And I thought, oh, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. So um, I got in touch with a few coach companies and put on four coaches from uh, Geneva to Basel. I didn't know that. And I apologise, Steve, if you're listening. I didn't. I didn't know you did that. Um, and and I would have put everybody booked with me. And I thought, well, that's a bit strange. I mean, uh, I found out people were mailing saying, "Oh, Steve was doing this, and Steve was doing that." And but your price is better. Oh, now boy. I know why my price was better because the couch company didn't exist. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So I guess to uh, I guess to Geneva. I've been in touch with his couch company. No problem. I'd found them up. I paid them over all the thousands of euros. Um, we were supposed to be, say, being picked up from the airport, 10.30. 10.30 came, 10.45 came. 200 England fans staring at me. Oops. And I thought, ah, this is what it's all about. This is. And uh, I had no idea what to do. And um, I thought, well, I have took insurance out, luckily, because that was for Atoll. And right. um, so I thought, well, I'm insured. What can I do? So I just said to everybody, look, Best thing I can do is you want to get to the game, get yourself a train, get your receipt. I'll give you your money back. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, of course, all I go off to uh, Basel for the game, and then I'm starting getting text messages. Yeah, but the reason we was going on your coach was because there's no train back. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, I just said, look, go to the game, enjoy it. I'll sort it. The, the coaches will be where they said they'll be. And I thought, right, everybody gets on the ca- uh, on the train. It's about one o'clock now. I've got about seven hours to sort this. And uh, I was racking my brain. And I thought, you know what? I, I used to do books for a, a company who I knew a bloke who used to work for a local company called Hoverland. And I thought, I'm sure he based himself out in Switzerland. So I, I dug his name out. I, I found a few people and got his name. And... Um, I dropped him a text. I said, you don't know me, but I work for X and uh, you used to deal with them. 
and uh, I hear you're in Switzerland and you're still in the travel agency business. And he comes back to me and he says, yeah, give me a ring. English bloke from Nottingham living in uh, Switzerland. Amazing. So I rang him up and I said, this is my dilemma. And he went, ah, he says you got yourself in a bit of a pickle there, didn't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I have really. I said, so I need to get out of it. So I says, what can you do for me? So he comes back and he says, I've got your four coaches leaving the stadium, going back to the airport after the game. Excellent. I said, that's fabulous. He said, 6,000 euro. I said, I don't pay 6,000 euro for the return leg. And he said, 6,000 euro. And I thought, do you know what? I'm insured. It's my first trip. My reputation's on the line here. So I said to him, okay, let's do it. And uh, he comes back about an hour later. He said, they were going out on another job and yours is more profitable for them. He says, but they won't leave the yard until you pay them. And I says, where do you think I'm going to get 6,000 euro from right now? And you know, I never met the bloke. I just knew of him. And he says, I'll tell you what, mate. He says, I'll pay and you pay me. And I thought, really? I said, you're really going to do that? And he says, yeah. So he stood by his word. He paid. But the thing was, I told him to pick the the fans up at the original coach park. And the coaches actually went to the ground. So now outside the, uh, we we all traipsed to the coach park after the game. And there's still no coaches for half an hour. And I thought, I've been done again. No way. (laughs) So... Um, anyway, I'm, I'm phoning this bloke. It's 11 o'clock at night now. And he phones the coach company, comes back to me. He says, they're by the stadium. So we all have to traipse 20 minutes back to the stadium. And there they were. Oh. I've never been so happy in all my life to see four coaches. And I, I'll tell you what, they all went, they, they went back, two went back to Switz, um, Geneva, two went back to the airport. And uh, it was then a case of getting onto the insurance company. And um Quite honestly, everybody sent their the receipts back to me for the train. The bloke sent me his bill for six thousand pounds. I totted it all up. I ha- I had to pay seventeen grand. Out. <laughs> Welcome to coaches abroad. I thought so, <laughs> uh, it took two months, but the insurance paid out. Oh, top and, stuff. And, and I think, in in all honesty, um, due to the f- I, mean, I mean, I thought that's that's the end of this. I might as well pack this in now. But I had that many people email me and say, do you know what? It's not a nice situation. You did your best. You're not an honourable person. We'll come with you again. And I thought, you know what? That's made me feel a bit better. Yeah. So uh, that's where it, it grew from there. And um, obviously the, 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 next, the, the next trip was, uh, well, since then, 10 years later, I'm still scarred. So every time I try and get a coach, um, I'm obviously building up a, a lot of, contacts now across Europe but there's still the odd one where I do a country for the first time and I'm like yeah I don't think I trust them I don't think I trust them so I wait for a cheap flight to come out and I fly out and meet them okay no way do I take that risk again if I'm not turning up yeah so, yeah. so that was an entertaining first trip that caused me hell and, <laughs> and to be honest I mean part of me is thinking why why did I carry on with that I mean why uh, and I just don't know um I must have got some sort of kick out of it, I'm sure. <laughs> As I say, that was all grateful, and uh, that was all the, the, the only one bloke I had in um, in in when we was at the game in Basel. He came up to me. I was having a drink in a bar, and he came up to me. He says, "Are you sure these coaches are coming back?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, definitely." I said, "You know, the, the worst thing." I said, "You know, you'll have to get a taxi to get your flight." He says, "It's not that." He says, I'm on dialysis in my dialysis is in my hotel. Oh, dear. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, no, no, make me feel great. <laughs> so, 
So anyway, it, we, we got back. So that's the end of that story. Oh. And um, Joe, fair play for that. Your guy in Nottingham for stumping up the six grand. I mean, not many people would do that. Yeah, well, I've I've got. A, I mean, looking back at it, he probably. He probably got him three grand. He probably took three grand himself. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, why why would a bloke pay six grand to some on behalf of somebody he's never met? And then I think about it after, I thought, Do you know what? I bet I bet because he was a local, he got him for three grand. And when I said I couldn't afford to pay, he's like, hang on a minute, I'm missing out on three grand myself, are you? Mm-hmm. So he did it. Knowing his risk was three grand, not six. But so anyway, I've, I've kept in touch with him occasionally since then. I uh, I got him a ticket down the Molyneux when Forrest played a few years back. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was grateful for that. I wasn't because I beat us 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> the rub salt in the wounds. Yeah. Cool. So I'll say since then, I've probably done 20, 30. And, and, and a lot of the people who come on are, are regulars now, really. Yeah. Um, they don't go... I mean, each one has got, a, in general, a bit of a hitch or... Um, I, I mean, I remember... You just can't just... It, it, it's the language barrier. Right. Uh, I remember doing uh, one coach from um, I think it was Slovenia oh no it was to Slovenia and it was from um, I think it went from Venice and picked up in Italy somewhere and as is every foreign coach they lock the toilets and you can guarantee everyone who books will say is the toilet on board yeah but I'll tell you now they're not going to open it anyway we was on the way to um, we was on the way to Slovenia Lubjana however you pronounce it and we pulled over at the services and um, I didn't know some of the lads had opened the toilet with the two pence and right. they'd, been using, they'd been using it and it was full to the brim. Of, 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 yeah, yeah. And uh, the coach driver, we're always all having a, a 10 minute break. He come up to me and he refused to drive the coach any further. And I thought, oh, well, here we go again. And uh, I, I was trying to have a slanging match with him, but he didn't understand English. I didn't understand Italian. Yeah. So I, well, I took him to the, um, I took him to the restaurant I got myself a point glass. I took him back to the coach and I said, I pointed at the coach. I said, here, I'll sort this out for you. And I started scooping the way out. Oh. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I thought the things I'm doing here. And he was just looking at me, me bewildered. And I just kept scooping this out and throwing it on the floor. And I emptied it. And I said, now we carry on. And he refused. Really? And I thought, oh, oh my God. So I found the, uh, I found up the head office. Fortunately, there was somebody there who spoke English they give him a right good telling off, and off he went. So, I, I mean, uh, that's not something you expect to do when you sell a coach, is scoop people's bloody way out with a, a pint glass. Uh, so, and, and then uh, it, it, m- most of the stories revolve about people stopping. Uh, the thing the thing is, Russ, I, I, I mean, we went to Kosovo yeah. from uh, Albania. That was, and, I was on your coach for one of those. Yeah, well, that, that, they're our worst enemy because you're tootling along. And, I, and everybody's like wants to go to the toilet, and they stop. But these these foreign um, service stops, they all sell cans. So all these people who were shouting at me down the coach, Mark, can we stop? Can we stop? We're desperate. Can we stop? So I get the driver to pull over. Now knowing the toilet's not open, knowing how desperate they are, what do they do? They go buy another four cans of lager, <laughs> and then and then we same scenario half an hour later, Mark. Can we stop? It's like, I thought I ain't had this since I took my kids on holiday when those two and four. Can we stop <laughs> from the toilet? So, but as I say, we must have stopped on the way to Kosovo about four times. But that, as I say, that they never learn. They just buy another lager and another lager. 
and, and as I say, it just it just I'm sitting at the front of the coach and I'm I'm trying to mind my own business. Then it, it's only about ten minutes into the journey. With Mark, Mark, can we just Mark? Can you can you tell the driver turn the heating up? Next block, can you turn it turn it down? I, it the stress never ends. I, you don't think that's stress, but when you I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll more have a laugh with them all, but yeah. it, it is quite stressful. Yeah. Go on, uh, take us back to, was it Brazil uh, for the World Cup? Ah, uh, no then. I would love to know if the bloke who uh, sorted me out is listening. Um, yeah, I did four, I did two coaches from Rio to Sao Paulo, and I'd got two coaches from uh, Rio to Belo Horizonte for the last game. Yeah. Anyway, this guy, Chelsea fan, I won't mention his name. Um, he, he, if he's listening, he'll know me. He hooked up with me and he said, I'm doing this trip, mate. And I said, oh, yeah. And he says, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm just struggling to get coaches. I said, they're just, they're just ripping me off. And he says, I've got a contact in Brazil, uh, Portugal. He said, and the Portuguese speak Brazilian, and he's got a mate out here. And I thought, oh, yeah, sounds good. And he says, what we'll do? He says, um, we'll, we'll, we'll combine together. I said, you know, okay. I said, I'll advertise it on my website. You advertise it on yours. And he says, yeah. We said, well, I've got to pay the coaches. He says, so, he says, when you take the money from your customers, you pay me. And I said, yeah, okay, no problem. So, obviously, all these bookings started coming through and I was sending the money to this bloke. Hmm. And I said, how are we going to work this? I said, because, I said, originally, I said, I was only out for the Sao Paulo, the first game. He says, you look after my coaches first game. I'll look after your coaches second game. I said, yeah, okay, right. no problem. So I'm collecting all my money in, sending me money across to him and uh, keeping in touch. I met, I met up with a guy in the Hard Rock Cafe in London and um, seemed a genuine guy. And um, anyway, the, the, the coach, no, well, a side story was he was selling tickets. He said, if you know anybody who wants tickets, I've got tickets for the opening game against Uruguay. So I put a few people in touch with him who then directly dealt with him. And uh, anyway, so we, we, we get to Rio for the opening game. And uh, we met in a bar in Ipanema, I think it was, and uh, met, say, six o'clock. We was leaving 11 o'clock at night and driving through the night. I landed in Rio. I could not get hold of this bloke. I could not get hold of this bloke. And he did put me in touch with the uh, Portuguese guy who was out there. Oh, yeah. and I managed to get out of his number. And I says, can you get out? I'll say his name. I says, can you get out of Stuart? And this Portuguese guy looked a bit like Max Clifford, to be fair. <laughs> he says, um, he says, I have, he said, I've not heard of Stuart, he said, for two weeks. Oh, I said, well, I've heard from him. I said, but he's supposed to be here. I said, I'm looking after his coaches. And he won't tell me who his passengers are. I said, all I know is my two coaches are coming to this bar, Jim's bar or something in Ipanema, but he's not telling me where his, where his passengers are. Last minute, he phones me up and he says, all right, Mark, Stuart's here. I said, how's it, Stuart? All right. He says, yeah. He says, change of plan. My coaches are going from a campsite in Brazil. You don't look after. You don't need to look after mine. I thought fair enough. So anyway, coaches come along. Went down to Sao Paulo. Decent trip, other than the fact that I got a few people on my coach who bought tickets of him, and he was uh, there was no tickets there when they got oh. there. So I got them looking at me, and that weren't my fault. So we get the uh, coach back to uh, Rio. I fly home. I get in touch with him, and I said, "Okay." I said, "I know your coaches weren't there." I said, "But you've still got one on your side of the bargain." and look after mine in Belo Horizonte. And he said, yeah, yeah, okay. I get home on the Saturday night, woke up Sunday morning, I got an email from the Portuguese bloke. Hi, Mark. This is uh, just to let you know, your coach is Monday night to Belo Horizonte. They won't start out until you pay €4,000. And I said, I've paid Stuart €4,000. 
He said he hasn't paid the coach company. No. He'd done a runner. Oh, I bet you he, thought, here he, we go again. Here we go. He'd done a runner. And I said, oh. I said to the bloke, I said, well, I said, I, I said, Stuart's looking after them. I said, it's it's Sunday afternoon now. I said, and I've got to be in Brazil six o'clock tomorrow night. I've not got a flight. He said, well, he says, unless you bring me £4,000. He said, they ain't going. Oh, we go again. So I, I spent all Sunday afternoon trying to get a flight. I get a flight Monday morning, Air France. I land in Rio, six o'clock. This bloke meets me at the airport. I've used about four credit cards to draw euros out. Yeah. Meet this bloke at the airport. I'll give him the 4,000 euro and off he shoots. And he says, I'll see you later tonight, 11 o'clock. I'll go from the airport, six o'clock. I'll get to the bar at eight o'clock. Everybody's waiting for me. Brilliant. I found the bloke and I said, okay. I said, we're all here. He don't answer his phone. No. I thought, oh, no, 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 no. Come on here. I don't know. Two hours, I'm ringing in between eight and ten. Don't answer his phone. And I'm thinking, I've, I've not only have I paid this steward, Christ knows what, I've now just give this bloke £4,000 in cash. And he's done a runner. Anyway, I'm in the bar, drowning my sorrows. And this bloke walks up to me, England fan. He says, yeah, do Mark, all right. I said, yeah. He says, coaches them early, ain't they? I said, what do you mean? He said, them round the corner. <laughs> oh, my God. I went running out the pub, went round the corner. The coaches were there waiting. Half an hour later, Max Clifford turns up. <laughs> he took my money. He'd gone to the coach company to pay the coaches. He'd left his phone on the bus. Ah. Oh. So what turned out another, what could have been disaster, was basically um, a genuine story of the bloke losing his phone. Oh. Coaches were there. We got to Bella Horizont, dropped us off about nine o'clock in the morning. I think it was a one o'clock kickoff. And I thought, absolutely fantastic. Okay, I'm down on money. The people have got there. They've enjoyed the World Cup. But we come out of the game and one of the coaches have been broken into. No. Oh. Yeah. I sent the first lot back to Rio and then the rest of them, 50 of them, standing there and they're saying, all our stuff's been nicked. They're having a... a, a the, the, the bloke the bloke who left his phone, he'd had his phone nicked as well that morning. <laughs> so I couldn't get hold of him again. And uh, I saw him walking around the bar, I called him. I said, what's happening? He said, um, the drivers took the coaches to a coach park. They got off to have some lunch. And while they was having lunch, somebody raided one of the coaches. So everyone's arguing the toss with me, saying the coach driver shouldn't have let the co- uh, left the coaches. Max Clifford's telling them they deserve a lunch break. Everyone's like, and while we're all arguing, two police cars turn up with all the stuff that they'd found oh. the people, they'd found the people, arrested them, and got everybody's stuff back. Oh, fair play. Oh, and I, uh, I, you, you, Rush, you live by the honestly, you fly by the seat of your pants. It's Don't you just? I mean, you, you got to remember that's 2014, that's basically a year after I was ripped off in Geneva. Yeah, so now I'm thinking, I, I think I need tablets here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the, the pitfalls are just. But, uh, but well, the coach got back to Rio. Uh, well, the window was smashed. Everybody was freezing on the coach. But we all got back. Everyone was happy. I get off the coach three o'clock in the morning. And I think, that's fantastic. And then I thought, hang on a minute. I didn't book myself an hotel. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, no. I took all that time trying to get the trip sorted. I never got myself an hotel. I couldn't find one. I thought, what do I do now? My flight was back that night. It's three o'clock in the morning. So I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to sit on the bloody Copacabana, sitting there, and I just drank Bacardi till the sun came up. I went over to the beach, dug a hole in the sand, put my wallet in my right-hand pocket, lay with my 
wallet in the hole in the sand and fell asleep on the beach for two hours. Had a bath, had a bath in the sea, mm-hmm. and then we, I'm sitting there relaxing, thinking it's one o'clock. My flight's at seven. My wife phones me up. She says, "Are you on Air France?" I said, "Yeah." They said, "They've gone on strike." <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. I, I just, I said, "You have got to be kidding." You know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, "Oh my!" So I just jump in a taxi to the airport, and I managed. They changed me to a flight, the last flight before the strike. So the move, I was flying at seven o'clock. They flew me at four o'clock, and uh, that they, they managed to get me on because of the strike. But not only that, the only seat left was in business class. Oh, so, yeah. So to turn a phrase, what a happy ending! Yeah, very much. Yeah. <laughs> My word. So oh. you, and you, yeah. So I mean, anybody? I know um, Paul from Block One Hundred Nine does this now, and I know. Uh, Dean does it now. Hopefully, they've never come across anything like this, and that hopefully they never do come across anything like this. But it doesn't matter how hard you try. You can imagine now for the last six years, my trusting coach company has gone down the pan. Yeah. So I, I always, you know, as a, that, the Portuguese blokes now contact. So any I've done like from uh, Albufeira to uh, Seville and. And I've done uh, Lisbon. Well, I did the U- the Nations League from Lisbon. Oh to, yeah, um, wherever the games was. Where was they? Well, oh, in Porto, wasn't it? So yeah, just outside Porto, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I, I can trust him now, and I've got other people I trust. And um, that little black book of yours, the little black book, yet of trust. Yeah, yeah. there's not many people in it, <laughs> um, but I, 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 people still book. Uh, I think it's because. You know that they know if anything arises like that, and it can happen. It can happen to anybody. That at the end of the day, I'll do my best to get them out of it. Yeah. Um, such is the situation we've got with Napoli now. Well, and yeah. Let's that- let's come to that. I mean, here we are, ten years on, um, and well, twenty fifth of November last year, the Italian FA announced that Naples was going to be the venue for this game. What we we going like? Okay, right. Should be straightforward, straight on that. Well. I should have thought that, but I did Swansea from Rome to Napoli. Oh, yeah, you said, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'd got six coaches there from Rome, the same pick-up point we got here. Coach company turned up, um, no problem. Uh, we set out early enough. The game was 8.45. We set out at 2 o'clock. And um, we'd only got out around about 20 minutes, and we stopped. And then we stopped again, then we stopped again. It transpired the coach drivers were in contact with the Naples police. Now, the Naples police were slowing down the coaches from Rome because they wanted to meet them on the outskirts of Napoli. And they wanted to combine, get into the ground at the same time as the fans from the port. Because I think what you'll find, the, the, the England FA, they haven't gone out to do their recce yet, but mm. the, the, the norm is for fans to be push towards the port, have a drink around there, and then shuttle buses are put on. And yeah. I think my coach is coming from Rome. Uh, we're going to hit the edge of Napoli, say five o'clock, and the port buses weren't leaving until, say, seven. So they did their utmost to delay the coaches till the edge of Napoli. Gotcha. Then we was driving round and round in circles, and we hooked up with the coaches from the port, and we carried on driving round and round and round, and kickoff was at 8.45. We got to the ground at 9.05. It was <laughs> a planned, it was planned by the police to get the Swansea fans from the port and the England, uh, England fans and the Swansea fans from Rome to miss the kickoff because obviously they were aware the local uh, Napoli fans would have 
uh, attack the coaches. No. So from their perspective, it looked better to arrive late and have no trouble than it did to explain to UEFA why six coaches was stoned. Right, yeah, I get you. So, and um, obviously, we get off the coach, and I've got loads of Swansea fans wanting to wring me neck because I've kick kickoff. However, they all calmed down when they realised the coaches from the port, which is like twenty minutes away, arrived after us. So we got there before them, and uh, and then Swansea um, were given some compensation for what happened. And I had a load of Swansea fans email me apologising for their behaviour on the night towards me, saying they realised it wasn't my mistake. So anyway, so. Move forward to England, and I thought, I know the coach company. I get in touch with them. I says, can we do this trip again? Yeah. Can we set out earlier again? The this. Yeah, yeah, we'll do this. I says, because there's no way I'm missing kickoff. We have to pick up tickets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll set out early. We'll go by what you want to do, this and that and the other. So I put the trip on and um, got a load of bookings. And then, hey-ho, about 10 days ago, uh, a Roma coach was on her way to a game somewhere. And uh, a Naples coach was on a game somewhere else. They met on the motorway. And of course, there was a big dust up. And I think the Roma coach was attacked. I got in touch with my coach. Well, they got in touch with me and said, no, no, we're not going to do the trip. I said, no, you've got to do the trip. I said, I've had 150 people pay me. I said, the majority want to get back to Rome after. I said, I'm not having this again with a bloody Mm. Geneva Basel thing. I said, you've got to do the trip. And I said, yeah, okay, we'll do the trip. 1500 euro security deposit per coach. Per coach? Per coach, yeah. I said, 4,500. He said, yeah. I said, look, I said, I can tell you now to a man, never, ever, ever have I had trouble on my coaches. Every person who comes on my England coach, never a bother. Roguish they can be, but never a bother. Mm. Um, but and I wouldn't even say roguish. High jinx, high entertainment yeah. sort of thing. But no, n- never, never had a bro. I said, honestly, I said, you'll not have any problems with them. And they said, it's not you. It's um, it's it's the Napoli fans. And I said, you you want 4,500 off me because of your people. Yeah. I said, okay, if that's what I've got to do, that's what I've got to do. Move forward a week and um, a lower league game just on the outskirts of Naples. Don't know who the game was between. Uh, coach was firebombed or set yeah, on fire. Sure. Yeah, so to which the coach company found me up and said, you can forget your 1,500 deposits as well. They said, we're not doing it. And I said, you've got to. Next thing you know, they put the money back on my card. So I'll get in touch with uh, the, the round tourist board. They give me, I must have had 10, 15 coach companies. Not one would touch it. Not no. not one. <sighs> now, so I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have to cancel. And I thought, I'm very aware, and I'm one of them, who's going to get back to the bloody Rome after the game. Mm. I was thinking, what's the plan now? So I'll get in touch with a few Naples companies and they're, they're more than happy to do the one way. They realise the situation, so yeah. obviously take advantage of the price like, but they uh, they were more than happy. And I thought, I've never I've never used a Naples company. Have I really got to fly out? And I thought, do you know what? I've got to go and explain the situation. I didn't tell them the Rome company had bailed. I just said, oh yeah, yeah I've got a lot of England fans who... Uh, we're all going down on the train because we want to go to Pompeii and have a bit of a look around and then yeah. we go to the game. And I said, we just need to get back. And they were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I went down to the office, met everybody. I saw the coaches. I'm happy with that. Um, I did have one person say, your supporters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they hooligans? No. I thought, oh, you don't even go there. Oh, the reason I'm studying your... Hypocritical. 
is, is the reason I'm stood in your office is because of your bloody hooligans. Yeah. So anyway, so now we get on well with them. I got on well with them. Oh, good. And they're, they're happy to do the trip, and uh, they're going to arrive at the stadium just before the end of the game, and the park at the back. It's the park where the Swans- Swansea coaches are. It's at the bottom of the steps where you come out the away end. So, uh, I, I, well, I've, is it a happy ending yet? So far, so good. Well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you and, and everyone on board. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I've met them. I've seen the coaches. They're good people. I've, I've shown them my England Members Club card. Oh, yeah. I've shown them the terms and conditions for the England Members Club when she asked about hooligans. And I, I explained anybody in any trouble, you're kicked out of the club, you're going to have no problems with... And, and I think they realise they're not going to have a problem with their fans because, A, they're a local company, and, B, they must have done this trip before. Uh, they know that the streets are going to be cleared and they're going to come out. They're going to arrive at the, get the ground empty, so nobody's going to attack an empty coach. Uh, and then they're going to arrive at the ground. We're all going to come out, and by which time all the, the locals would have disappeared. And I'm, I'm, I'm fingers crossed... It's it's not a club game, and I'm not overly sure Naples fans are bothered about the Italian team. I don't think Italy like the rest of Napoli, mm. and I don't think Napoli like the rest of Italy. So there's a sort of like we're not following the national the national team. That yeah. don't stop the idiots hanging no. around, does it? No, so, no. Well, um, so as I say, I, I had a good run for about eight years without any hassle, <laughs> and then uh, trust Napoli to come round and bite me on the bum again. Well, so, I. Uh... I wish you all the best, and and I mean, here's to the here's to another ten years of of happy coach travelling around Europe and beyond. Um, well, to be fair, Russ, I was going to say uh, I was going to put in everybody's email. Uh, sorry about this. I can only do it one way back. I'm retiring. Oh. However, I've got I've got eight coaches in Malta and three in Macedonia. Whether I knock it on the head at the end of 2023 after this. I don't know. If it all turns out well, and I've got the rest of the trips this next year, then I do get a hassle. Yeah, it, it is distressful, but you also get a buzz from it. And yeah. uh, if I could just say, the coaches from Alicante, uh, from Benidorm to Alicante, if Leach is listening, Leach, you still owe me that point for scabbing a lift back on that bloke's lap. <laughs> so, yeah. My uh, jinx. Uh, uh, yeah, that, no, well, as I say, everybody wanted to get back to Benidorm, and I've got three coaches, and um, I'll, unbeknown to me, the, uh, well, three coaches is 150 people. Unbeknown to me, there was probably about 180 on them, <laughs> of which one admitted it and said, right. <laughs> no, uh, I don't mind. I don't mind that. That's a laugh. That's a giggle. Yeah. I, I, I ain't bothered about that. And I get no trouble from any of them. Uh, they're all golden. Uh, so, and, and that's probably why the reason I love doing it. Yeah. You know. So may it continue. Now, Mark, thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, and just, Giving us a little little history to on the ball travel. Well, just the quick time we've got left is: uh, do you still want to give the website out? Forget your www. You all know that it's yeah. on the ball travel.com. As I say, yeah, on the ball travel.com. Emails mark at on the ball travel.com. If you want to ever just look at the website and see what I'm doing, um, that you crack on. And um, you've heard the stories. If you want to be part of the fun, carry on. <laughs> if you don't ever take, if you want to, if you don't want to take the risk, take the train. <laughs> Love it. Mark, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, and maybe I'll see you in uh, in Naples. Yeah, not what sort of mess I'll be in, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> A stressed mess, probably, but I'll see you out there, mate. No problem. Well do, mate. Take care. Okay. Cheers, mate. Ta ra bit. Ta ra.
My many thanks to Mark for his time there. Really gives us an insight to the amount of time, effort and money that he's put into organising these coaches for us. And it's not just Mark, everyone else who has done it at some point of time. Uh, I'm sure many already do, but the next time you get a coach, just make sure you uh, give the organiser a, uh, a nod, a thanks at the very least. Um, and Italy away. Um, obviously, we spoke about that there with Mark. If you are a Travel Club member and if you've renewed or joined up, then the registration is now open and it's open until two o'clock Thursday, the 16th of February. Still, so far, there is no news on what the actual allocation will be. But if you intend on going, make sure you register your interest. You can do that via the FA website, however you... Uh, I think it's a link on a recent email that they sent out. But that's it from me. As always, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can follow the show on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. I say all the social medias. It's not on TikTok because I can't be doing with that. Um, and just search Three Lions Podcast. You'll find it there. I'll be back again with you very soon. I've spoken to someone recently about a really interesting project that you may have heard about in the news, although I'm also aware that the Lionesses games in the Arnold Clark Cup are coming up very soon. So depending on when that squad is announced will depend on which episode I put out next. I'm not really sure. But basically, stay subscribed and you won't miss it. So until then, look after yourselves. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.